Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. This is the Friday, May 8th, 2020 show. I am Andrew Hansen. Very happy to be joined again by Shane Caldwell. In the last episode, he was known as Shane Mel Kuyper Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, he's got his boots on the ground in Michigan as we get ready to preview the Detroit Lions. Shane, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, Andrew. I see you have the Matty P pencil, so we're fired up, ready to diagram some DFS plays for the Detroit Lions. And I'm I, I'm a big Lions fan. I follow every single move, every transaction, every press conference, every training camp report, every practice report. So I'm ready to get in depth and talk about some some in depth knowledge with the Lions and how we can apply that to winning in DFS. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I'm excited about that and. Uh, it's funny because when we did the show, we did a show earlier today. And at the time I said, gosh, it feels like I haven't seen you forever. But yeah. now here we are again. It's, this is the second podcast of the day. We're recording this on Thursday night to get ready yeah. for Friday. Um, but that's what we have to do here in the middle of our virtual tour around the NFL. We're doing 32 teams in 32 days, one at a time. And we just wrapped up the NFC South. And now we're transitioning to the NFC North. And uh, as I mentioned, you're there on the ground. Um, You've got your feelers out. You've been doing your research. And in fact, on Twitter, you are known as Detroit Sports Shane. That's D-E-T Sports Shane. You're rocking the lion's hat here. So if you're just listening uh, to the podcast and you want to check out this great lion's gear, do join us on YouTube. Um, we're doing these daily podcasts now for DFS Coach Talk on YouTube and uh, collecting our library of NFL DFS previews. So you can go back and tune into those anytime you'd like. Uh, open for memberships. You can uh, find out about those on our website at DFSCoachTalk.com. And what we do here is all DFS. Okay, we're not we're not concerned with season long. We're all about DFS here. We're all about the eye test. We hand build all of our lineups. We provide lineups to our members, and lately we've actually been expanding to Korea. We're we're taking this international, Shane. Uh, We've been breaking down the Korea baseball organization, the KBO. We've been crushing it here in the first few days, and if you join as a member at DFS Coach Talk, we're providing those lineups for free. We do a lineup on DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, so it's a great time to join the family. Yeah, the KBO has been fun playing that. I I keep joking. Is this real sports there you t- you're telling me these guys are real baseball players and we can and we can uh you know analyze them and uh, put them in lineups that's great yeah we're, we're excited for that <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah it makes it a little bit easier to uh blast through these podcasts previewing the nfl season that we hope starts on on schedule in fact the schedule were just were the schedules were just released today we've been breaking down the line schedule so we'll get into that but uh shane the Lions are coming off a season in which they finished 3-12-1. And, and Matt Patricia, of course, is at the helm. Uh, but tell me about your thoughts about the general overlook and the feel uh, you know, within the building there. How much urgency is there for Matt Patricia to get this winning record uh, going back in the right direction? Yeah, we always talk about the hot seat in the NFL. And the hot seat is incinerated right now. It's it's on fire. Uh Martha Ford Firestone after last year's very disappointing season 
Martha Ford Firestone actually is a pretty intense owner for a lady that's over 90 years old. Okay, so she came out with a public statement saying she's not going to fire Patricia or Bob Quinn, the GM, but this is their last chance. If they don't come up with a winning, productive season, they are done. She put that in a very elegant way, as, as she's good at doing. But she came out with that statement, and they know. Um, so I see the urgency with Bob Quinn. I see it with Maddie, Matt Patricia. I'll go over some of the moves they made. You can't really look at the 2019 Lions because of all the injuries. You can't really compare it to this year, this upcoming season. They had a ton of injuries, and they turned over this roster in a major way. And with Matty P, I kind of joke that uh, Bob Quinn and Matty P are, you know, they're trying to build the Patriots Midwest. And I know that's a tall order coming from a really horribly run organization and a losing team comparing them to the Patriots. But these first couple of years, they didn't have the right players that were buying into that culture. And I feel like now that they've had a few more years to, to uh, cycle out some of the players that weren't buying in and weren't fitting into the culture with Matty P., and now I think they have the correct players in place and the correct talent and the right coordinators in terms of offensive, defensive coordinators. So, cause they had a lot of issues with that. So now that all those issues are resolved, it, they have a lot of continuity here and we're going to see a huge improvement uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, yes. I'm a lions optimist. I know most people would say the lions are horrible, but I will tell you why they're not and why they're going to uh, drastically improve this year. And you can't compare them to last year. So that's that's oh. kind of where I'm at with the Lions. All right. Well, I'm all ears here. And I think our listeners and viewers are as well. I want to hear about these details and what's going to lead to a, a change in the bottom line, so to speak, with the wins and losses. Because on the defensive side, that that's where I want to start, because this is a team that you could really attack in DFS last year through the air. They were 32nd in passing yards given up. That's dead last, of course. 27th in passing touchdowns allowed. 26th in points overall. Um, you know, doesn't really get much better with the running uh, numbers, the rushing numbers. They were 21st in yardage allowed. Overall yardage, 31st. So terrible numbers across the board. And I know they made a change uh, with the new defensive coordinator. So, Tell me about Corey Unland and you know what these potential changes are in defense that you think might make an impact. Yeah, so their defensive coordinator last year was Paul Pascaloni, and he was, I call him Maddie P's puppet master because he just basically ran a very vanilla scheme. You know, it's a multiple defense, but there was no there was no blitzing at all. There was no pass rush. They didn't have elite players on the edge to get a pass rush. So the biggest thing that hurt them was lack of a pass rush. The quarterbacks, average quarterbacks even, could sit back there and just pick them apart. The corners weren't actually that bad. It's the problem is they had to cover for so long they were getting picked apart. Uh, so in, so we get rid of Pascaloni. We bring in Corey Unlin. He won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been a defensive assistant coach and a secondary coach for several years. And Corey Unlin is a guy that the players absolutely love. He's a very creative mind. He's worked with Matt Patricia before, and he's he's going to be really good for this defense. I think he's going to rally them together. And with the new players that I'll talk about that they added, he's going to be able to add pressure packages and actually get pressure on the quarterback. And our secondary is actually pretty deep and good, even though we lost Darius Slay. So I'll cover that as well. So I'm big on Corey Undlin of improving this defense, making players better, and better personnel overall, a lot better schemes, more pressure. 
Um, and then the Lions are very smart with Matt Patricia and Corey Unlin at being able to game plan based on the opponents and shut down their strengths. Um, so I actually feel like the Lions defense, they're not going to be an elite defense, but they're going to be more of a middle of the pack, a much improved defense. Um, and that's going to help the offense get the ball back and help those fantasy players on offense as well. So I am high on them, even though they got absolutely shredded last year. Um, but I will be able to talk about why, you know, what players they added there. Well, let's let's get into that right now, um, you know, because they they made a splash in the draft going with Akuda with that number three overall pick. There was some question, you know, right before the draft of whether they would trade down, but they they held on to the pick. Um and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really curious about the specifics here because I'm looking at the numbers from Corey Unlin in Philly, and I know they had some really s- strong team success, but he was in charge of, you know, coaching those defensive backs. And you're looking yeah. at their passing yardage allowed the last five years. Their ranking in Philly was 28th, 13th, 17th, 30th, and 19th. So I'm... I'm a little confused about how he would get this big promotion to become a defensive coordinator. Um, so where does the confidence come from? Is it is it the personnel that he's going to be able to use in Detroit? Yeah, it's more combining with Matty P and his system and the talented players we have on defense that a lot of people are not accounting for. Our secondary is actually more talented than Philadelphia's. He, Corey Unlin was coaching a lot of these guys that were not very good not very highly touted uh, cornerbacks, as we know, and they had a ton of injuries. They were shuffling through all kinds of corners, but he, he, he did a pretty good job getting those guys up to speed and improving them. Even like last year, early in the season, you could really attack Philadelphia secondary, but with Corey Allen improving them, them with their technique and their play, they actually be, uh, was an improved secondary in the second half of the year last year. Uh, so that's that's why he is a definitely an under the radar type pick that people are not thinking about. But I think that everything I've read is that this guy is going to be a lot more creative and he's going to get a lot more out of the players where pa- Pascaloni was just kind of an old, you know, washed up type player. He wasn't really that good. I think he coached at Syracuse, if I remember right. He wasn't good there. You know, he just didn't. He wasn't a great coach and he didn't have that fire. So having a younger guy who relates to the players and can really coach him up. They're all about techniques and fundamentals and having better schemes. It, it will actually be better. So here's what they did in the secondary. Yeah, we lost Darius Slay, but we signed Desmond Trufant, who I think is going to be a really good corner for this team. He'll be a starting corner. On the other side, you're going to have Jeff Okuda. Okay. In the secondary, we have Tracy Walker, who we got in the third round a few years ago. And he is a really good, he's a Pro Bowl caliber safety, in my opinion. He's really long, very athletic. He can cover in space. He can cover. He can he can uh, tackle in the box. So a lot of people don't know about Tracy Walker. He had a pretty good year last year, but the defense was just decimated with injuries, and it just wasn't wasn't good. So I like him. And then they got Duran Harmon, who's another safety uh, who came from New England. We got him in a trade. So he'll likely probably be the other starter. And then there's also another safety. We got uh, Will Harris that we got out of Boston College in the draft the prior year. So we got a good good depth there. They also have Daryl Roberts, a uh, cornerback that we signed for uh, for a, another uh, a backup cornerback position. Um, and we have the uh, really solid uh, corner uh, slot corner that we signed the year before. Um, for some reason, uh, his name is escaping me right now. So they, they're, they're solid there. It's just up front what they can do now. Now we got Jamie Collins as a linebacker. He's going to be really good. 
the guy is an athletic freak. And if you saw him at New England last year, he went, he was an absolute tear playmaker on that defense. Um, and then they got Nick Williams. He had a lot of sacks last year. He's a defensive tackle that played for the Bears. We have Danny Shelton to help at nose tackle to stop the uh, to stop the rush as well. Reggie Raglan, Super Bowl uh, middle linebacker for the Chiefs. We signed him as well. Um, so there's just a lot of players that a lot of people don't realize that the Lions picked up that are going to help this defense. And then we have guys that are coming back like Deshaun Hand, who can play inside or outside defensive tackle, who we feel like is going to be a Pro Bowl caliber defensive lineman as well. He's coming back from injury. Um, so, uh, the, so the, the arrow is actually pointing up for this group with the new coordinator and the players that I highlighted there. Yeah. Excellent. That's a, that's a nice breakdown there. And I'm already looking forward to week one when they play the bears, because the bears passing game is an absolute mess with Trubisky and Nick Foles. We don't know who's going to be the week one starter. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch week one that, you know, new passing attack for the bears, potentially if Foles gets the job or, you know, Trubisky, you know, maybe his last chance uh, going up against this revamped Lions defense. Uh, so we'll have plenty of time to break that down as as the uh, as opening week uh, approaches. But uh, it's fun to have these schedules out and, and start to look at at uh, some actual specific matchups in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And I apologize. The slot corner that we signed was Justin Coleman. We signed him in 2018 and he started out the season real good, but he did give up some big plays because the fact that we had no pass rush. But Justin Coleman is a solid slot corner. Slot corner is very important, that nickel corner, because they are like a starter in the NFL with most of these formations. Um, so, yep. So I, I, yeah, so I think with the with the schedule, NFC North, you know, it's a black and blue division. It's going to be really uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, the Bears, that quarterback uh, position, Trubisky, Foles, I wouldn't trust either of them if I was the, uh, uh, you know, the Bears. And I think that, again, with this new Lions defense, that they will be able to uh, really cause problems for that for that offense. And obviously the Packers, you know, a lot of things happen. A lot of people are disappointed with their draft. So we got that. And then the Vikings, I think, are a really solid team, too. So all these teams besides the Lions have been uh, near elite defense. So it's a it's a tough division to play in for uh, to go against those defenses. Yeah, it really is. And, and after the Lions face off against the Bears in week one, they get the Packers in week two. And I think Aaron Jones, uh, Aaron Jones, uh, Aaron Jones will be running. But Aaron Rodgers, I think he still might have steam coming out of his ears, even week two in the fall with uh, the draft pick there with Love. So um, yep. that'll be a really interesting start to the season for the Lions uh, dealing with that division. So let, let's talk about the offense a little bit. Um, yep. You know, they were three, four and one last year when Stafford went down and then they lost eight straight and Stafford was off to a great start under Daryl Bevel. And so they finished with decent passing numbers because of that hot start. They finished 10th in the NFL in passing yardage, 10th in passing touchdowns. They were poor with their rushing attack though. 21st in yardage, 4.1 per carry, 29th in touchdowns. They only scored seven times on the ground. But tell me about the the big picture with this offense and Daryl Bevel. Yeah, so Daryl Bevel uh, really excelled and had really creative play calling, and he was mixing with Stafford's strength, you know, a lot of the play action pass and being able to try to improve the running game. 
Um, that all kind of went out the window when Stafford got injured and carry on Johnson, our starting running back got injured. The offensive line was shuffled and injured. So that kind of all went out the window, but considering what they did with the players they had, it actually wasn't too bad being ranked a top 10 passing offense. If Stafford would have stayed in there, they probably would have been top five in passing. Um, he was on pace for a 5,000 yard season um, and really good touchdown to interception ratio. The Lions end up having 10 different quarterbacks in their active roster throughout the year because they were shuffling through all these guys, you know, from the Alliance Football League and undrafted rookie free agents and just calling anyone off the street. Hey, you want to come and try out, you know, come and come in and camp and test it, test it out. See what you think. So it was just a big shuffle. It was a joke. Um, so that is why they went out and signed Chase Daniels and gave him pretty good money. Chase Daniels, a solid backup and a really smart guy that will improve the quarterback room. Um, so yeah, the, the offense, they want to run the ball and they will improve at running the ball. Um, they improved their offensive line. Um, they did sign a uh, tackle. I'm going to try to pronounce it here. Alapala Vate Vaitai. Uh, they signed him to a five-year deal that was worth up to 50 million. They gave him the big money. He's a big guy, 6'6", 320. And he was the backup tackle for Philadelphia. He was the starting tackle for Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl, you know. You remember who they played that year? I don't know. I don't know if I remember. Yeah, I think it was the local team up here called the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the starting tackle for them. This guy is a huge guy. He moves people in the run game. The Lions haven't had an offensive lineman like that in a while where he can just move people and create space in the in the in the run game. He's a massive man. He's athletic. That's going to help their run game right there. Um, so they've improved the offensive line and um they're really going to be able to run the ball with the running back by committee, another kind of New England trait. They're going to be able to rotate uh, between, you know, carry on Johnson and Cole Scarborough and DeAndre Swift, which we'll get to. Um, but uh, really, so going back to Stafford, just breaking down his stats real quick. Yeah, like I said, he was on a Pro Bowl pace. Uh, his quarterback rating was 106. He had only eight games. He had 20,499 yards, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. 64% completion percentage, but keep in mind, he was the, one of the highest in the NFL for depth of target. So he was throwing a lot deeper. He was one of the most, the best deep ball throwers out there. Um, the guy just has an amazing arm, really good accuracy, good, good timing. Uh, so it's 8.6 average yards per completion was the highest in his career and 312 yards per game and 11.4 uh, yards for depth of target. Stafford. So he was elite when it comes to the deep ball and making big plays. Um, so if you project that out in this offense with an improved running game and offensive line, there's big things in store for Matthew Stafford. Uh, and it, so it's, it's good. I think it's going to be big. It, it, big question, of course, is can he stay healthy? November 3rd against the Raiders, he fractured some bones in his back uh, and he was placed on IR later in the year. So that's where it was for uh, Matthew Stafford there. Uh, and uh, what, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, it's just a shame that he didn't stay healthy because he'd gone eight straight years playing all 16 games. And he got off to such a hot start, 385 yards and three touchdowns in that Arizona game where they blew the lead, ended up with a tie. Uh, but he still managed to bounce back. They won the next two. And after that halfway point, they were 3-4-1. and one. He'd had three games over 20, two games over 30 fantasy points 
Like you said, he was on pace for 5,000 yards. He's averaging 22.2 fantasy points per game on DraftKings, and he was only in the 5.2 to 6.4 K range. So he was getting you well over 3x return on a weekly basis. You know, sometimes even more. So um, yeah, let's keep an eye. Let's keep an eye on his price range early in the season because I think, you know, he and Daryl Bevel are going to be very confident. Uh, that as long as he stays healthy and it's their second year together, uh, they're going to put up big numbers through the air. Yeah, a lot of people aren't accounting for all these changes that I'm talking about with the Lions roster. So they're just going to go back to last year and say, well, Stafford was OK, but he did get injured. He's injury prone and, you know, all those things. But, yeah, he he's coming in and he could easily have a Pro Bowl caliber season. Uh, keep in mind. Uh, the Lions defense was the Lions defense was really bad. They had a really bad co- coordinator and not great, great, great staff. Right. So Paul Pascaloni. So I believe that Corey Undlin is going to improve the defense, just like Daryl Breville improved the offense. So I want to I'm talking about that because when we went from Jim Bob Cooter on our offensive coordinator to Daryl Bevel, it was a huge difference. Jim Bob Cooter was so uncreative that the players were would joke and, and and tell the other the Lions offensive guy what the play was before it happened. Now NFL teams scout and watch a lot of film, but it was to the point where they almost knew every single play like our division opponent. So he was very Jim Bob Cruder was horrible, uncreative. So there's a big upgrade with these coordinators in terms of creativity and uh, setting players up to make big plays. So we see that on offense and defense here. Uh, yeah, so I think big things are, are in store for Matthew Stafford, and he always flies under the radar because the Lions are not a good team, um, and typically he's pretty low-owned and, and pretty pretty affordable. So in the DFS world, he's definitely a guy you want to fire up. I would probably target him in non-divisional games because the division is very tough. Um, sometimes he'll do good in divisions, but mostly non-divisional games. Um, so probably I'd be looking at probably week three against the Cardinals as the uh, first game to uh, probably target. But we'll look at it, though. He, you know, he's had good games against the Bears and Packers, too. Um, but, yeah, like I said, big things ahead for Stafford. Um, and what do you think about the uh, backup quarterback? Do you think that uh, Chase Daniel will be OK, that they don't need 10 guys to be the backup this year? Man? <laughs> I mean, they certainly are paying him like they're like they're all set. They're not going to have to call everybody in town. Three years, yeah. 13 million, which is. A pretty impressive payday for a guy who has seven passing touchdowns in 10 years. He just, you know, has found a way to be that the guy to hold the clipboard. They have faith in that he'll do okay if he gets out there. He got one start last year for Chicago. They lost, uh, completed 70% of his passes, three three touchdowns, two interceptions. So, you know, not a guy really that they want to take over. And Man, last year was such a prime example of how valuable Matt Matthew Stafford is and you know, how much of a drop-off there is with some of these backup quarterbacks because, as I said, they went 3-4-1 with him starting. They went 0-8 without him. Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, uh, he got a chance, and he did he did all right through the air. He, he got 200 yards per game, and he did a great job rushing, actually, 50 yards per game. Um but he couldn't win. And then David Blau got a shot. He went 0-5 down the stretch, and he was terrible. Four touchdowns, six interceptions. He's still on the roster. So I don't think they want to see Daniel or Blau take any any snaps next year. Uh, it'll be a huge drop-off. Yeah, no, I think 
you know, Daniel is a pretty – he's a veteran quarterback. Yeah, he's sav- he's a savvy veteran. I think he'll really improve in terms of, like, the scout team and, like I said, improve in terms of developing the other quarterbacks and showing them different looks in practice. And I think he's a viable backup. Yeah, he didn't play great when he backed up uh, for the Bears last year, but that whole Bears offense was really dysfunctional and really pretty bad last year. So I think in this system, he's a good fit with Daryl Bevel. And I think that he actually will be pretty solid if he gets to play. Now, absolutely, it's a big drop-off, but not as big a drop-off as going from Stafford to to Driscoll or Stafford to David Blau. Chase Daniels is extremely intelligent, being able to – pick up this offense and he has a ton more weapons than he did with the bears. Um, so the guy actually, I think has potential to be able to still come in and help the lions win if he has to, let's hope he doesn't though. Um, so I, I'm actually, I actually think it's a good signing, but yeah, the consensus was most people thought they overpaid for him. It was ridiculous, but also, like I said, 10 quarterbacks on the, on the team last year. So you got to keep in mind that that quarterback position is valuable. And I think in this system, he will actually be a good backup quarterback and improve the team. Yeah, that's a great point. He, he will have better weapons around him yeah. uh, if, if he gets out there. So let's talk about the running game a little bit because it was a weakness. You know, you talk about calling guys off the street. Carry on Johnson went down. They started making calls. In comes Bo Scarborough, who's been on multiple practice squads around the NFL and then they went out and drafted DeAndre Swift with the third pick in the second round. So how do you think this uh, backfield is going to break out next year? So they want to go uh, again. It's going to sound like the Patriots, you know, in, in fantasy, you're frustrated with the Patriots because you don't know which running back is going to go off. The Lions are the same way. They're running back by committee. They will or they are very game plan specific. So, you know, Patriots, okay, this team cannot cover running backs out of the backfield. It's a James White game, right? I'm sure you're very familiar with that type of thing. The Lions would be the same way. So, hey, this team is struggling based on our statistics this week against the Lions. They're struggling against covering uh, running backs out of the backfield. Let's look for a big DeAndre Swift game. DeAndre Swift is going to be utilized as a receiver this year, and he's going to be valuable in PPR formats. He's a playmaker. He's got elite speed, quickness, agility. He's got great hands, and I don't think he was used that much uh, as, as much as he should in the passing game in Georgia. They don't do a lot of that in that offense. So I think DeAndre Swift's going to be great. And then if we're looking at just a knockdown, drag them out, uh, tough fought, uh, game where we get a lead and they just want to run the clock and play a physical game because they feel like, uh, let's say we're playing Arizona and they feel like the defense is undersized. Uh, and we just want to pound them old school football. That's when you're going to see carry on Johnson getting a ton of uh, a ton of uh, uh, early down carries and Bo Scarborough, Scarborough mixing it up in there too. They want to punish people in the round game in that in in that way. So you're going to see a, a variety of things and it's going to be matchup specific and it's going to change every single week. But you are going to see with Vitae in there and the improved offensive line. You're going to see and the scheme that uh, that uh, Bevel has. You're going to see an improved running attack, which is ultimately going to help the offensive overall the offense overall. Well, they certainly need it, and if if they can all be healthy, you know, I, I like the way you're talking about the potential versatility. Um, but you know, starting with Carryon Johnson, the guy who he had a much better rookie year, he averaged 5.4 yards per carry, but then last year he's down to 3.6 yards per carry, only had 10 catches. Uh, I almost have more faith in Bo Scarborough as a as a power runner. He, he had 4.2 yards per carry. 
Uh, he didn't do anything out of the backfield in terms of through the air. He only caught one pass. But um, if at least one of those guys can be healthy and more productive, and then you've got a guy like DeAndre Swift who could be, you know, effective through the air. It sounds like he will be. He had, he had 90 targets in three years at Georgia, and he only had three drops. Yeah. And last year he caught 24 for 216, so nine yards per reception. Uh, yeah. I, I like Swift. I, and if there's that much urgency to win in Detroit, I wouldn't be shocked if a few weeks in he even gets some early down carries and has a chance to be a three down back. Yeah, I mean, we got him in the second round, and you can certainly make make an argument he was a first-round talent. Running backs kind of fell in this draft. So a lot of people had him as the number one running back. So the guy is a great all-around back, and uh, he's down there in Georgia right now, as we speak, working out with Stafford every day. So Stafford's down there. He's a University of Georgia guy, and he's down there working out with uh, Quintez Cephas, who is a wide receiver that we drafted who eventually will get in the mix at wide receiver. Uh, he went to high school, Cephas did, in Georgia. So Stafford's down there with some of these Georgia guys that are on the Lions, and they're working out, running routes, throwing passes. So he's already getting acclimated. Um, and Stafford's very good at getting those guys up to speed. So I look at it as he's going to be ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, it takes a while for the rookies to learn the offense, but that's a pro-style offense. He played in the SEC. So they, they drafted him in the second round for a reason that he's going to be contributing right away. Excellent. Yeah. Be, he'll be fun to watch in, in preseason as well. Yeah. So definitely. great for, for Stafford to get that uh, early chemistry with him. Uh, and we know he has great chemistry with uh, some of these receivers. So let's start with Kenny Galladay. Uh, last year in his third year, it was the first time he played all 16 games. And another productive season, he got in the end zone quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Galladay is probably one of the hottest fantasy players coming into this year. If you look at his statistics and you consider that Matthew Stafford only played half of those games and that the other half of the games, his quarterback was some guy that just got off the couch. I mean, that's just that's that's just ridiculous when you look at it so i mean his season he played he played all game all the games 65 catches but he had 11 11 1190 yards a phenomenal average of 18.3 yards per catch so one of the best in the league there and 11 touchdowns uh he had 37 deep targets which was good for number one in the league and he was top 10 in all the deep throw categories like air yards yards per reception, yards per target. He was top 10, sometimes top 10, five in all those categories. And that's without Stafford the second half of the year with quarterbacks who weren't, didn't have accuracy, didn't have deep passing. They were just horrible um, in, a, in a really bad offense, right? <laughs> so if you can put up those type of stats with the conditions he was in, yeah, Kenny Galladay, I call him Mr. 50-50 because uh, when they interviewed him, and he was talking about red zone, being a red zone threat. He says, coach puts me in there, throws me the ball, and he knows it's a 50-50 ball. I'm going to win every time. So I call him Mr. 50-50. Hey, that's a good that's a good ratio. If you win the yeah. 50-50s 100% of the time, yeah. they're not really 50-50s anymore, are they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he said when it's contested catch, the guy is strong. He's athletic. He's got great hands, and he's really improving his route running. Um, and the guy, he can just torture you for a deep, deep ball. 
He can run the double move. He can hit you with that deep, uh, that really uh, deep uh, route, uh, the, the deep in route that Stafford's really good at, uh, you know, and uh, over the middle. So you'll see him uh, a lot of times get those really deep passes, uh, you know, and, and then the intermediate stuff like 20, 25 yards. And him and Stafford are so good at completing those. It, this makes him, they make it look easy. Um, so, yeah, big, big things. If he, he gets a full season in this offense and they have a legitimate you know, running game and the offensive line could protect uh, this guy's he's got top five wide receiver potential all over him. And people know about him. He's not really flying under the radar, you know, like some of these players are. So, what, yeah, what do you think? I think the biggest takeaway is the difference without Stafford, because in those first eight games with Stafford under center, he caught seven of his touchdown passes. And then the last eight games, he only got four touchdowns, as you mentioned, just subpar quarterbacks. That was a miracle, right? Teams. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't sugarcoat it, right? They were awful. So, yeah. um, and, and then the other takeaway here is, again, the touchdown rate, because he only caught 65 passes and scored 11 times. We were talking about Michael Thomas on the last podcast, 149 catches and only nine touchdowns. So yeah. they just don't mess around there when they, 50, when they throw 50. it to – what's that? 50-50 ball. There you they go. Don't, they don't mess the around with Mr. 50-50. He yeah, takes yeah. it to the house. Yeah. So uh, he'll be fun to watch. Now, his partner there uh, is Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, he only played 13 games last year. Uh, injured for the last three. Uh, he also got in the end zone nine times on 62 catches. Uh, tell me about Marvin Jones. He's 30 He's 30 years old now. Um, does he have anything left in the tank? Yeah, he, he's, he's still, in my opinion, in his prime. Uh, the guy is a technician in terms of route running, his ability to control body control and go up and get the ball. And, you know, for those uh, deep passes, his deep pass ability, his route running, his chemistry and timing with Stafford is phenomenal. Those guys are on the same page. He's a red zone threat. He can he can hit you in the short game, intermediate game. So Marvin Jones, he's a guy that won people a lot of money in DFS last year. If you were on him on the right week in a tournament, he's the type of player who could put up monster fantasy points in a game and uh, take down a tournament and was super low ownership. So he has that type of upside and he will continue to excel in this offense. And again, when he's putting up in 13 games, these type of pretty decent stats, you know, 62 catches, 779 yards. Keep in mind only 13 games. And a lot of them were not with Stafford uh, 12.6 average and nine touchdowns. The guy produces and he's consistently underrated. Uh, people sleep on him. Uh, and he's just a baller. You know, he'll have big games when they go into Lambo. He'll like torch the Packers. So it's not just at Ford Field. He does well at Ford Field, but this guy plays outside well as well. He's not just a dome guy and he, he does a little bit of everything. So, yeah, I, I don't see any decline with him. And I'm, I, again, big, big things in store for him again. And you're right. He is a guy that that's explosive. He's really important to keep in mind in GPPs. I mean, we love Galladay, but it's not going to be him every week. You know, there were two weeks last last year with Jones that that really stood out. He was 5K and he put up 25 fantasy points. And then his big four touchdown game, he was 5K again and he put up 43 fantasy points. Yeah. A lot of guys in the 5K range don't have 40 point upside. So he's just one of those guys. He's always worth a look in the GPP, especially if he's down around 5K. So, um, yeah. 
two. With, with, teams, uh, with teams trying to eliminate Kenny Galladay, with him looking like a pro bowl, you know, he was a pro bowler last year, they're going to give a lot more safety help. And when you when you shade the safety over to Galladay, Marvin Jones will make you pay. Him and Stafford are, are like I said, extremely intelligent players, and they have really good timing and chemistry. So you can't discount that. And Marvin Jones has elite ball skills and and uh, route running ability. So yeah, that that's it, man. He's 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 great for DFS uh, if you can get him on the right week. So next we've got uh, Danny Danny Amendola. And in his first year in Detroit, he caught 62 passes. So they had three guys with at least 62 receptions. Um, he's a guy who's averaged about 50 catches for 500 yards and two touchdowns per year. He's been in the league for 11 years now. Does he have anything left in the tank? I know this is going to sound like I'm a Lions optimist, but he actually does still have a lot of athleticism. And the guy is, is a really high character, hardworking guy. He sets the tone in that wide receiver room. I mean, I'm talking about a guy that brings his lunch pail. He he definitely embodies that Detroit, you know, uh, you know, working hard, you know, blue collar mentality. So, yeah, this guy uh, in PPR formats is a pretty valuable target uh, because he will uh, he will have games where Stafford will target him a lot. Uh, he didn't he didn't do well with touchdowns last year, but he still had an average of almost 11 yards per catch, 62 catches and uh, 678 yards. That's only in 15 games. And again, I keep bringing it up. That's without Stafford. So I can tell you right now, Stafford loves this guy. And he actually hasn't dropped off with him being 33 and, you know, going to be 34 later next year. He's actually not dropped off. He's very quick and athletic. He's really strong. And again, a savvy player. He knows how to find the open hole in against the zone defense. And he knows how to exploit mismatches. So I wouldn't sleep on Danny Amendola either. He's not a super high upside guy, but he's a safe PPR type play. Yeah. And, you know, for the amount of receptions he gets, uh, he just wasn't quite as productive in terms of actual fantasy points as you might hope for. You know, the big reason really is that one touchdown catch. But, you know, it seemed like his output was really concentrated in just a few games. He had... uh, he had two games where he had eight catches for over 100 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, but he, yeah. and he only had a total of four games over 10 fantasy points. But they didn't have any, just, you know, 12, 14, 16. He had a 17-point game, three 20s, and then everything else under 10. You know, I, yeah. a PPR guy for me that's in that, you know, 4K range, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency, a little bit better floor. Uh, you know, but maybe like you said, uh, if Stafford really does trust him and, and will go to him more often, maybe he'll get in the end zone a few more times this year. Yeah, I mean, he's very inexpensive on DFS. So when you can get a player that's very uh, near minimum price and he still has some upside, I mean, in general, he's a consistent contributor. But like I said, you can't really compare last year's stats. He didn't play with Stafford that much. Um he had a couple games that weren't great, but he had a couple, you know, pretty decent games. So, yeah. So, again, I'm pretty high on him. He's a great slot wide receiver. And uh, I think that uh, there's big things ahead for him as well. And especially that's the type of guy you target probably earlier in the year, being that he's a veteran type guy and he's savvy and he's already got chemistry with Stafford, um, where some of these younger guys can take him a little longer to develop, you know. Yeah. And he had one of his best games in week one against Arizona last year. So good yeah. call there. Now, you mentioned Quintez Cephas earlier, fifth-round draft pick out of Wisconsin. How do you see him fitting in this year? 
Yeah, so Cephas was one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten last year. Um, this guy is he's a he's a pretty good size, uh, physical type guy. He's just thick. He's he's powerful. He's a strong wide receiver. So last year he had 59 catches at Wisconsin, which isn't really a passing game, uh, you know, type offense if you think about it. They wanted to run the ball. 59 catches, 901 yards, 15.3 average yards per catch, and seven touchdowns. So that's a solid line. For a guy that uh, is in an offense like Wisconsin that doesn't necessarily have a great quarterback and don't really they don't really pass the ball with much volume, the guy is an excellent route runner, really strong at the point of attack, and he he is going to be uh, the type of guy that's going to help out with the blocking game uh, in terms of blocking on the edge and sealing off that edge for these running backs and uh, in the screen game as well. So he's going to be really valuable there, and I can see him contributing in special teams. Uh, my NFL comparison for him, because he didn't run an elite 40 time, would be like an Anquan Bolden, where it was a guy that wasn't really highly touted coming in, but he just produced because he was more physical, uh, you know, with run blocking and just out physical guys that tried to press him. And he's just the type of guy who's a knack for getting open and getting contested balls uh, catching him and uh, excelling in the red zone as well. Um, and he even he's I mean, he still had some big plays, even though he only ran like a four seven forty. Um, he did end up rebounding in his pro day with a four six forty. So he's not a speed guy, but he's just a solid player. So I think in fact we got him in the fifth round. I can see the Lions putting him uh, a little bit later in the year, putting him in like four wide receiver sets and sometimes three wide receiver sets. So he he will get some playing time, but he's not going to be a big fantasy target right away. All right, so it'll take some time to build into that Bolden-like uh, career production, but I, yeah. I like that comp, a uh, guy who's he's not blazing speed, but he's strong, and he has really good hands. I saw a lot of acrobatic catches on tape for uh, Cephas. So uh, anybody else that uh, might be a dart throw? Uh, Marvin Hall, is he ever worth considering? Yeah, yeah, he's my deep, deep, super deep uh, special, sleeper special there. <laughs> he's your GPP 0.1% minimum price, you know, guy. Okay, so uh, they really like Marvin Hall. He can contribute on special teams. He's a 4-4 speed burner type guy, like a track guy, really fast. Uh, he really improved throughout the year last year to the point where they trusted him and actually started putting him into the lineup more. Um, but, yeah, he's not going to get much volume but uh, Daryl Bevel likes to scheme him for deep shots. So if you want to try to cover, if you want to try to put all your attention towards Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, Daryl Bevel will scheme this guy open. And he schemed him open to the tune of only seven catches for an average catch of 37.4 yards. So, <laughs> so he had 261 receiving yards and, you know, barely even got any snaps. And he got one long touchdown, too. So don't sleep on this guy if you want someone that no one knows who he is. They don't even know he's on the roster. And he's the type of guy that can get two catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. He's that type of guy. We should start calling him Mr. 37. He's yeah. going to get 37 yards a catch. Yeah, that's, exactly. So That's no, a guy no. who we, could, we yeah. could throw in a showdown lineup and uh, maybe make a big difference. And he showed incredible concentration on those deep passes. All seven of them, I've seen them, of course, because I watch every play. And he showed he had some really difficult, like over-the-shoulder catches. Um, really, really good concentration on those deep balls. So they've seen they've seen something that this guy is super fast and has really good ability to catch those deep balls. So they will continue to target him and take a few shots per game. If you can hit on a couple of those uh, deep passes, 
then he's going to pay off his value big time because he's he's always going to be a minimum price guy that's below 1% ownership. So the funny thing is, we talk about Hall as a super deep sleeper who finished with 261 yards last year. And as we transition to the tight end group, TJ Hawkinson only had 367 yards all season. This is a guy who was a first-round draft pick, started out blazing hot against Arizona with six catches for 131 and a touchdown, 28.1 fantasy points. But then he just fell off a cliff. What happened to TJ Hawkinson, and is he going to be back this year? So they were uh, they have Jesse James that they paid a lot of money, who used to play for the Steelers. Jesse James probably passed more. He didn't really run that many routes. But yeah, they were Hawkinson wasn't getting as many snaps. Um, he was kind of a part time player. You know, I don't know. I don't have his exact snap share. And yeah, I've got, the, I've got the snaps. He ended up with forty nine percent of the snaps, and Jesse James had forty six percent of the snaps. Exactly. So I was going to say he was about a half, half, about 50% share guy. So what happened was based on the matchups, there was a lot of games, you know, he obviously torched Arizona. That was a team that uh, they exploited the matchup, but the Lions were so matchup dependent that they went towards Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and some of those other games before Stafford went out. And then really what happened is uh, Stafford went out and TJ Hawkinson, I don't remember exactly what week, he was trying to jump over a player because he's a pretty athletic guy. He was trying to jump over a player. He jumped over him and got his legs clipped and landed on his head on the turf. And he had a concussion. So he he ended up getting a bunch of injuries and serious you know concussions. So he couldn't come back right away. So he missed some games there. And he was never able to get the momentum when he came back because Stafford was out. And we had these no-name quarterbacks that he had never had any time with in the offseason. So with the benefit of, again, the improved offense with Stafford being healthy and improved offensive line in a full, I'm not going to say full off season, but a full, hopefully a training camp, right? A full training camp uh, and a partial off season already being familiar with the scheme. I think TJ Hawkinson will improve significantly. He's not going to be uh, elite level tight end, but I think that he's going to be flirting with the top 10 uh, tight end uh, you know, metrics there. Okay. So yeah, so he he's definitely a guy you can't forget about just because he he completely blew it last year. Um, he's still you remember his when he was coming out of Iowa. He's still uh, a playmaker. He can do everything. He's got good speed and quickness, good route running, great hands. And uh, yeah, Stafford does like the tight ends in the the red zone. It's just he didn't get much time with. Him. All right. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking for pretty pretty solid contribution for Hawkinson. All right, I won't write him off completely because I was I was a little concerned after that game against Arizona. His ceiling game was only 11.7, and uh, but you're right, he got he got hurt. He only played 12 games, didn't have Stafford down the stretch. So okay. Yeah, so this is just again a classic example of a team that is changing dramatically, and in D in the world of DFS, you can capitalize off those. people that are basically looking at last year's stats and last year's team overall, and they're not factoring in these other things. That's how you, you gain an edge. And again, the key is to predict those things before they happen, not after he blows up for a big game. You know, can you be the, can you hit him on a week where he hasn't done much? All of a sudden, he has another one of those 100-yard games and a touchdown, and he came from nowhere, and his price was way down. So... That's my opinion is that's why you have to look at these things and stick with these players sometimes. Yeah, well, I'm glad you've given me some confidence that he'll be worth uh, targeting 
in the right matchup. Uh, Jesse James, not so much. You know, he played 16 games. He played every game last year, and he only had 16 catches. So, yeah, uh, you know, much more of a focus on on blocking. Just didn't get as many targets, uh, yeah. and he, he didn't even get in the end zone. Yeah, now yeah, they paid him quite a bit of money, but I think that's a and uh, they can run a lot of two tight end sets um, in Daryl Bevel's offense, and you know, occasionally throw him a little screen pass or you know hit him down the middle because he's really tall. Um, so he can still make a few plays, but for fantasy, he's not a type of guy you want to target. Um, but the Lions do have a lot of weapons, um, and they will spread it out. Stafford is, you know, he he's a technician. He he really does read the defense well. He's a very intelligent quarterback. A lot of people know him for having a big arm and being an elite arm talent, but he's actually one of the most intelligent quarterbacks, in my opinion. So my point is Stafford will spread the ball all over the place. Okay, so that's why sometimes it is hard to target which guy is going to be the one that goes off. Um, so he, there will be games where Jesse James comes out of nowhere and you know, catches a touchdown. He'll spread the ball off, and I think Darryl Bevel's more creative at uh, getting different people open and, and catching the defense off guard. So that's, that's really my opinion on this whole offense. Okay. Well, you've done a great job breaking this down, including uh, some of these draft picks. Anything else from the draft that we should know about, guy that uh, might make a fantasy impact? So one of the really cool stories, um, this is going to be related to the defense, is the Lions have their defensive end, Romeo Aquara, um, who's a pretty solid defensive end for us. And uh, they drafted his brother out of Notre Dame, who's an outside linebacker, in the third round. Um, now, Julian Arquara, it um, actually broke his leg about halfway through the year at Notre Dame last year. And this is a guy that's a, a, a double-digit de- double sack-type production at Notre Dame. So he, is, he does have elite bend and speed and athleticism off the edge. He's a little undersized. Um, but the, he was graded to be a first or second-round pick if he didn't get injured. So we got him in the third round. So I look for him. It's going to take him a little while to get up to speed, but I can see him improving the pass rush. So uh, that will that will help the defense stop the pass. Um, so and then they did get a guard in the third round from Ohio State, uh, Jonah Jackson, who didn't give up any sacks in his career there at Ohio State last year, and uh, really good uh, pass protector and decent in the run game. So they got a, they picked up a couple guards to improve the depth of the offensive line, which is going to help for fantasy. So if they have injuries, they have solid guys. They're going to go in there, and uh, Jonah Jackson has a chance to start at right guard by Vitae by, uh, by there. Um, so he's a big guy, smart guy. He played, uh, you know, uh, he transferred to Ohio State. So uh, he, he was like a five-year player. You know, he, put, he has a lot of playing experience. So another good guy. And then we got the deep sleeper running back, uh, Jason Huntley. If you turn on this guy's film, he played at New Mexico State. He's a burner, 4-4 speed, uh, elite athlete, undersized type guy. But he's the type of guy that in the return game will take it to the house. Uh, He's going to be probably returning kicks and punts. And he is the type of guy that they will, uh, like a J.D. McKissick, where Daryl Bevel will scheme him open in the passing game, and they will give him uh, some a few carries here and there as a change of pace. And he's the type of guy, if he gets a hole, he will take it to the house. He's a big play threat. So that's a sleeper that we'll have to keep our eye on as well. Excellent. Love hearing about 4-4 speed, guys. We can always add one of those to the team. This guy was, uh, his stats were, yeah, were crazy at, uh, you know, he played out in New Mexico State. But just, I mean, the amount of long touchdowns this guy had, it was just, it was, uh, he's really impressive. So they needed, 
more speed and playmakers. That's really a focus on this team. Um, but yeah, with all these changes in the coaching staff and the urgency, uh, I look for uh, pretty good things out of the, out of the Lions here um, this year. And uh, and I don't think people are expecting that as much um, in terms of in general that the group think. So that's when you can catch people off guard with some of these plays if you hit them on the right week. Excellent. Well, if you all enjoyed this breakdown of, of Detroit sports, then go follow Shane on Twitter at DET Sports Shane. You can find me on Twitter at Language Olympic. You can find the team at DFS Coach Talk. We're going to continue our NFL virtual tour tomorrow with two guys who run four fours, Micah Patria and our man Santino Cocone. They'll be on to break down Da Bears as we continue our coverage of the NSC North. Uh, Shane, final question for today. Will Mr. Patricia keep his job after this season? Will it be a winning season for the Lions? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, and it's looking like he is going to probably have to probably win nine games or more uh, to do it. And when I look at this schedule here, I do actually like the schedule. Um, I like some of the matchups they have. Um, so I'm going to say that, yeah, it, it is a bold prediction. I am drinking the, the, the blue Kool-Aid, and I'm going to say that Patricia and Bob Quinn are going to keep their job, and the Lions are going to be make a huge improvement uh, uh, from 2019 to 2020. Excellent. Well, you heard it here first, so you can bank on it. Uh, Shane yeah. picked the Super Bowl last year midseason, so yeah. um, this guy says it's going to happen. It's it's truth. It's sort of like uh, yeah. Kenny Galladay, 50-50 balls, he gets every one of them. So yeah, exactly. that's what you get from Shane Caldwell. Uh, Shane, great job today. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, if you could, uh, give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening. These are free podcasts uh, that will continue. We do them uh, every day. So we're going to keep cranking them out for you. Hope you enjoy the content. Feel free to give give us feedback. And like I said, be sure to tune in again tomorrow for Mike and Santino. Thank you again. You've been watching and listening to DFS Coach Talk.